What's up? This is Scott Duvall, and you're listening to episode 173 of the Waiting Since Last Saturday podcast. I'm joined today just by Tony Waller. And yes, this is just the intro with us sitting here. Typically, what I'll do is we'll sit down and record, and then I'll type up an intro and outro, and I'll practice it and make it sound all pretty, and then add some music and everything, but not today. Today is Super Bowl Sunday, and Tony just happened to show up at my house, and we decided to podcast. So this is episode 173, and we're about to get started. Hey, Tony. Hey, Scott. A little uh, waiting since last Saturday unplugged. I like it. Yeah, why not? A um, little uh, Bloody Mary Super Bowl Sunday. Are we allowed to say Super Bowl Sunday? I, yeah, sure. I mean, Big I don't day. know if they're going to be checking or not, you know, the CBS people or the NFL people. but um, no, Bloody Mary edition. So Sunday morning. Actually, I'm here because... Um, you, some of you have heard Scott. If you know know Scott and Scott and his wife, uh, their their various endeavors. But Scott's wife is a uh, professional makeup artist, and today is perfectly polished day in Athens. So if you live in the Athens area, you probably know a little bit of what I'm talking about. And this is my daughter's cotillion year, which I am ordinarily fundamentally opposed to, just for a lot of different reasons. But uh, it's my baby girl, so it's kind of cool. I don't even understand cotillion or perfectly polished or anything. I hear about it, but it's just on the peripheral, and I'm like not interested. Um, um, you know, the, the cool part about it, and I, all three of my kids are, are in it. Um, you know, you've heard me talk about Charlie. My son Charlie is um, he is he needs a lot of polishing. So, um, but it's been great for him because he literally can like properly set a table and knows which forks to use. If you go to uh, a really nice restaurant, like we went to commander's palace in uh, New Orleans and we put him in charge of describing what to, when we asked him, tell us which fork we use now for the salad course and dessert. Course. Did y'all have escargot? Cause that's a different fork. We did not have escargot because I'm fundamentally opposed to eating snail. Oh really? Okay. Uh, that's just, I've actually tried that. You know, me. I tried it once. Well, we discussed like, on our last podcast my eating habits, but I will eat that. I wouldn't, you know, at a nice restaurant. I'm not going to cook them myself. Well, most yeah. everything's good smothered in garlic butter. True. Um, so we are here. It is indeed Super Bowl Sunday. We are joined by um, Stormtrooper Will. <laughs> yeah, we'll put a picture on our uh, social media about that. Will is not here. I have no idea. He might be he's in Atlanta. He's covering the Super Bowl. Yes, oh, he's he covering is, the he Super Bowl. He went to All the right, Super so, Bowl today. Um, we do. You know, Will usually sits sits to the right of Tony, so uh, I felt like it would just make it whole, and it actually feels good because I'm looking at it both of y'all. Yeah. Uh, I have a basically a life size a life size stormtrooper in my house. That my you know, it's one of those things. You're you're, you're my dad. You know, the grandparent of my kids. Uh, you know, they like to buy silly things. So we've had the stormtrooper in our house, and so I printed out one of the best pictures of Will that I've ever seen. And taped it to his forehead. It's not the golf. It's not the golf. It's no, not the golf. No. This is David Spade at, at this 50. This is mid thirties. Will mid thirties. Will. It's a good picture. It's yeah, a great it's, picture. Actually, yeah. It it's looks, a press. It's almost like a headshot. Like he is auditioning for, um, you know, uh, local man number three in a sitcom. Sure, <laughs> that's true. <laughs> yeah, the the nondescriptive, uh, you know, extra in the sitcom. Yeah. So Will is here. I don't think he'll be answering or, or interjecting any. Uh, uh, sports opinions today, but um, if you never know with Will. <laughs> that's true. That's true. So why don't we go ahead and get started? Um, real quick, since it is Super Bowl Sunday, we're not going to be talking about our predictions or anything in the game because, uh, dear future listener, you'll already know what happened, and it'll be no spoilers. Yeah, yeah. So we don't want to go into that and kind of bog our podcast down the the precious little time that we do have with each other. So we will dive into the Georgia players playing in the Super Bowl and maybe some past Super Bowls um, that kind of 
bring come to our attention. But um, but Tony, do you have anything to start off with? Well, I mean, so we, I, I know you have some of the uh, Twitter things there, but I thought we'd start at the top with recruiting since uh, the old school signing day is this week. I mean, Georgia's class is pretty full. We're at twenty two. Do they get any more since they had some transfer portal leaves? Um, I don't. I'm not exactly sure how that. I'm not an expert because I don't follow recruiting. Mm-hmm. Um, I, th- I think if you just read the, the message boards and the people that know that we got room for two to four more. Um, I mean, you know, we're in the running for a kid by the name of Pickens, a wide receiver. We're also in the running for oh, um, what's his name? Right, Darnell Wright, who is a five star offensive lineman. Um, so you know, there as the as the Twitter question put, there's still meat on the recruiting bone. There is. Um, you know, I don't get too caught up in the. I mean, rankings do matter. Recruiting rankings do matter. I don't care whether we're one or two, um, as long as we're posi- filling positions of need. And you know, we we kind of run over this ground once before, but I think we have filled some positions of need. Um, it would be great if we somehow find another quarterback, just in case. It's nothing against Stetson Bennett or um, Dwan Dwan Mathis. Yeah. Mathis. Um, you know, one hundred percent the plan is for Mathis to redshirt, which means Stetson Bennett's your backup, and it's not that Stetson Bennett can't be. Quite an effective backup, but you know, quarterback is one of those places with depth. I keep forgetting that Matthew Downing's transferring to TCU, That's right. um, which is great for Downing, right? I mean, I have to assume um, Coach Patterson laid out a path where he can compete for the starting job, which clearly he wasn't going to do at Georgia. Um, I think that is is spectacular for him. However, that does put us in a situation where we have, um, you know. A backup quarterback and also a redshirt, a freshman. We're very, very, very much hoping to redshirt. So, um, having said all of that, you know, I think there are there are probably a couple, a couple other guys out there that we might not even know about. I wouldn't be surprised if we poach a transfer somewhere. It's just, I mean, you know, the the thing about recruiting now, um, and I saw a um, I saw somebody bemoaning it uh, on Twitter. Just at the early signing period. The the one thing I like about it is that it does provide an opportunity for, um, it does provide an opportunity for schools to be in a position to be, to to kind of like really hone in on need for that second signing period. I realize it sucks terribly for the coaches. It sucks terribly for the kids, frankly, because now the coaches have. I mean, it used to be you either had to, I'm going to be your coach, or and I just winked at Scott. <laughs> um, not in a weird way. They, uh, it, you know, it used to be the coaches would would say, "Hey, I'm going to be your coach. I'm going to be your coach." And like, lo and behold, he got the dream offer of a lifetime on Wednesday after signing day. Um, you know, now these coaches, they schools aren't going to let them wait. And I, well, we saw a, a five star sign with uh, Southern Cal, and then transfer got in the transfer portal and went to Texas in like three days. Oh, after um, the December signing. Oh period? yeah, yeah. Um, because Kingsbury was there, and then mm. he left to go to. Um, he left to go to Arizona, the, the Cardinals, and, and, and he transferred. And he and my guess is he'll get a waiver. I mean, if you're going to give – like I, Well, I mean, think about the Manny Diaz situation. Sure. Recruiting for Temple yeah. and then leaves for Miami. Miami. Um, so, you know, I'm of the opinion that the period, the, the one-year waiting period is – is essentially harmful to the game. Essentially, it's uh, is very harmful to the kids. There's no such structure on the adults who are getting paid millions of dollars to do this. Um, and frankly, coaches lie to kids all the time about stuff. So, you know, I, I think there probably is a date certain by which you can't get out of it. Um, well, I mean, the transfer portal will open up 
<laughs> in after spring practice, you'll hear people getting in it. Sure. After yeah. summer camp, after right. the first four games of next fall. Right. I mean, that's um, when Kelly Bryant jumped in it. Yeah, I, I think there there is a place, there is a level somewhere. And, you know, Scott and I are not going to solve this today. And frankly, my thoughts aren't fully formed on it either. Um, but, you know, you there it's hard it's hard when you're talking about such a hard decision. I mean, I was 18 years old. I, I knew I was going to go to the University of Georgia. I didn't have a backup plan. I mean, I was probably going to ABAC or Wake Cross College, or, um, or I might have gone to, you know, I don't know, it's Georgia Southern or Valdosta or something had I not gotten into Georgia. But I only applied to one school. I applied to the University of Georgia. Um, and, you know, looking back at 18-year-old Tony, I wasn't prepared to make a decision about not just college, but also athletically who I was going to play for. And if you're a five-star, you're not, I mean, yeah, you're looking at college and you're thinking, okay, I want to get an education. But more importantly to you, if you're that athlete, it has more to do with your prospects of getting to the NFL, who's going to nurture you, who's going to develop you, who's going to utilize your talents in a way to get noticed by the league. Um, I, I wasn't, I mean, I made bad decisions as an 18-year-old. I, mean, yeah. I, I bought 75 cents worth of gas, so I'd have three extra dollars to you know get refreshments for Friday night. I mean, that's not... You know, I, I don't think there's anybody, there's very few people listening right now that can't say, regardless of whether you're 50 or 23, can't really feel that on a personal level. So just asking an 18-year-old to make a hard decision and then locking them in for that decision and also burning an entire one quarter of their opportunity to participate in a year of potential earning potential down the road, a year of school and all of that um, based on... Uh, the word of someone who is free to leave whenever they want the next time somebody offers $400,000 more, there's a fundamental unfairness there. Uh, That did not mean to get on a will-like screed about recruiting uh, because really I just wanted to talk about, you know, Pickens and uh, the, um, I can't remember the the offensive lineman um, in what Georgia's position is. I mean, frankly, I think we're very well positioned with the exception of, um, with the one exception, a little nervous about quarterback, backup quarterbacks. Um, and I think the you know, to look forward two years, uh, the class is coming in is going to fill those needs really well. I mean, yeah. You know, Wouldn't you think that also? I mean, jumping ahead to next year, they're going to need to really get maybe one or two five star running backs because you got to kind of reload RBU. Yeah, and you know we have you know there are uh, there's at least one more running back that we are nominally in the running for. I, I mean, if you just glance at the boards and whatnot. Um, Georgia doesn't seem to be like too high on that list, but whatever. Um, but like two of the top four um, for the class of twenty, the signing class that will come in next spring, um, are um, they're high, heavy, heavy Georgia leads. It almost feels like that you could have a high three star all the way up to a five star running back, and in Georgia's system. And the way that they're being coached up, they're probably going to excel and maybe even overshoot their complete expectations. Well, especially with the offensive line. I mean, Georgia's offensive line is young and, again, going to be really good. Um, so maybe just look for a bunch of speed, you know, and, and ability to kind of grow into their body or, you know, their skill set. Yeah, and it brings up an interesting point about what Cooley's offense is going to look like versus Cheney's offense. Um, I, I mean, we don't really have a good idea. It was going to be hard for me to imagine that Georgia's going to not run the ball as much or, yeah, it could be a little less. But, you know, I mean, we've we've been fairly balanced since 
time immemorial, I guess, and at least until Vince, since Vince Dooley was coach, um, or maybe Ray Goff. So, you know, 20, 20 plus years of, I mean, even when we had Stafford, we didn't, and we threw a little more, but it wasn't like we were slinging around like a. There's no like Pat Mahomes stats out there or anything. Right, right. It's just not, it's not how. Offensive philosophy wise, you know, big picture offensive philosophy, not what we do. Isn't that crazy how it's maintained that throughout multiple coaches, multiple coordinators throughout all these years? It's still kind of a run first pro style offense. Well, the interesting part about it is that we have incorporated some of the concepts that make, you know, I, I spread is a way overused term, but the spread concepts work, which are the, the run play options, uh, the run pass options. Uh, we have incorporated those really well. I mean, we even see run pass options for, for Fromm. Uh, now, um, and incorporating those concepts, I mean, the reason you do it is you're trying to either get a wide receiver or running back in space with the ball. And um, even though Georgia is a quote unquote run first, we have incorporated some of those concepts into the basic offensive philosophy. I mean, I, nearly every program has done that unless they are a true option team um, or. Uh, I guess Kansas State, <laughs> um, who still or Iowa State, some of the some of the teams that are trying to go against type in the Big Twelve, who, um, you know, they when you're, I mean, look the the concept here is, is like if you can't out recruit everybody, you have to go against type again and and put figure out a way to beat defenses. Well, in the Big Twelve, the defenses are geared to stop the the, the high flying, fast moving offenses, and that's the Paul Johnson model, right? That's the Paul Johnson model. It's yeah. exactly right. And then you turn around and have to have to recruit against that uh, because you just you're not going to out recruit Texas and Oklahoma and Oklahoma State, and, and you know even if you're Iowa State, you're not even out recruiting your in state rival with Iowa. Um, so you you try to slow the game down. You try to put power against their speed and see what happens. It feels weird to talk so much Georgia football in the beginning of February, um, but it is Super Bowl Sunday that we're recording this, and it kind of segues nicely into a couple of the stars that are competing in the Super Bowl today. Uh, the Patriots have two. Actually, they have three. One's on injured reserve, Isaiah Wynn, and then and then the Rams have two. And, of course, the highlights of both teams, you know, Sony and uh, Todd. Yeah, I don't – did you – have you seen anything about has one college had the two starting running backs – Oh, I'm sure that that has uh, never happened. I mean, it's it's really it's really interesting that, um, and we talked about this last podcast. Kind of this entire NFL season has been a highlight reel for Kirby's recruiting running backs, sure. right? Yeah, think you about know, Nick also, right? You know, Nick Chubb has. I mean, what he did against the Falcons alone could have set them up for that, right? I mean, he he has a he shot of being rookie of the year. Um, I don't know. They, they're they, going to give it to Barkley. I don't. I'm not going to agree with it. They're just going to give it to him because have they announced that yet? I haven't no, seen it. Okay. No, Mahomes won, Mahomes uh, won MVP, MVP and offensive that. player of the year. But I don't know for some reason I didn't I didn't keep up much with Saquon uh, his stats against the, for the Giants. But it's almost like because uh, Eli Manning is just regressing so much that. It was like the it's the reason why he was the Heisman front runner the year he was his senior year at Penn State and then he fell so uh, fast it's just the hype basically so I I personally think Nick should get it because of all of his not only not only basically beating out Carlos Hyde so much that they traded the guy mid season but what he did with his uh, runs I mean he's got the power and we all know this as Georgia fans but it was interesting during Cle- Cleveland season. You know, he had the power, and then he had those breakaways like he did against uh, the Falcons. And Tony just pulled something up on his phone to set the record straight, and that was that he did win 
Yeah. Saquon Barkley yeah. did? Yeah. yeah, he did. See, I was talking, I didn't even know, but it was just almost like a fait accompli that uh, Barkley was going to win. And I, don't, I completely disagree with that. Yeah, I hope Nick was second. I, I mean, yeah, I don't, I don't think they released that in this way, but you know, um, also champ makes in, making the NFL, uh, NFL Hall, pro football hall of fame. Yeah. Uh, which first is ballot. Is first that a ballot, thing? Uh, I, don't know, I know it is in yeah. baseball. First yeah. ballot hall of fame, uh, which is awesome. Uh, and, and extraordinarily well, I know Richard Seymour was also up for it, but I guess he didn't get it. Yeah. Marcus um, Stroud as well. So talking, let's talk for a minute about the player, the Georgia players. Um, of course on the Rams you have, everybody knows that girl is there. People might not know, um, our, our old friend, our tailgate, one of our old tailgate friends, uh, uh, Rameek Wilson, is a special teams contributor. You tailgated with us? Uh, yeah, back in the day. So it's a funny story. I wasn't there. Yeah, it's, uh, actually, yeah, but before before we started podcasting. Before podcasting. Um, we were tailgating G-Day, as we do. Uh, Kristen brought, for some reason, brought beer or cider. We didn't have a church key in our tailgate equipment because tailgate G-Day tailgates are always a disaster. Um, so she went walking around to see if someone could find one. And she ran into this woman who had, who was like, we're supposed to be going to the players thing. We can't wait. They're out of food, whatever. And Chris is like, oh, we got plenty of food. Come back with us. It's from Meek Wilson's mom. And, uh, uh, her, his mom, Regina, started tailgating with us, got to be really, really good friends. Wayne and his mother went down to Tampa for Ramik's draft party. Really? Right. Uh, it's just a really cool thing. Now, was he drafted by the Chiefs? He was drafted by the Chiefs. Chiefs wasn't he? Yes, okay. he was drafted by the Chiefs. Um, uh, so, you know, we got to be close enough friends with Regina that, you know, we. We were invited to the draft party, uh, so we followed. Obviously, followed his career. Uh, he ended up on the on the Rams uh, when the Chiefs cut him. Um, and you know, when you are not a starter in the NFL, you have to contribute somewhere. Yeah, I mean, because that's there's only 52 guys on the roster. Um, he has emerged as a um, kind of a big deal on their their kickoff coverage and uh, kickoff and their punt coverage. Teams. So, will we see him at linebacker at all? Uh, he play, he plays some linebacker. Yes, he he does come in and substitute. Um, but he, he is not a starter. Um, but he, for example, a game they played, oh, when was it? He recovered an onside kick at, to end the game, essentially, uh, earlier in the season for the Rams. It, like, it was kind of a key win for them. Um, so you will see him. He's number 52. It's number 51 when he played at George, number 52 now for the Rams. And, of course, Gurley out there toting the rock. Um, it's going to be really interesting to see how he does. I mean, the book on – the book on the Pats is that you um, you can do one or the other. You can't do both, um, which I have to assume they're going to try to shut down golf and those, those receivers because that's, you know, the Rams have been in the same way that the Chiefs were. They tried to score all the points they can on you. Don't worry about I mean, they, they play good defense. They don't play spectacular defense. Um, on the other side, you have Tom Brady and his, you know, if in that offensive offensive death that they I mean efficient offensive death they do um, with Sony Michelle who has had a lot of the same highlight moments with the Patriots that he had with Georgia, which it's, is it was it, like and, especially in the AFC Championship game, right? And, it's just and every time, yeah, up to yeah. It. It's just he he is absolutely fulfilling the promise of everything we saw here. Um, you know, it's funny. I told I told my wife when. Uh, Oh, one of the first games of the season with uh, we had Michelle and Chubb in the backfield together. It's like we were seeing probably the two best running backs to play in the since backfield of Georgia. Probably together. since Ronnie Brown and Cadillac. At, uh, at oh yeah, oh yeah. I think that's probably probably right. Um, but you know, David Andrews' boss has been the starting 
center for New England pretty and much since he got drafted. Uh, oh, that's right. He did get undrafted. But yeah. He went in training camp and just literally won the job, right. which is, you know, Bill Belichick had some nice things to say about Kirby and in, in, in how he coaches. And of course, Andrews um, didn't, didn't play for Kirby, but that's neither here nor there. He, he I mean, when you get Sony Michelle and yeah, Isaiah Wilson and Alka Mitchell was there what, a year ago, right? Um, and well, you know, he, he had a breakout performance against the Falcons yep, in the Super yep. Bowl. And he got hurt beginning uh, mm-hmm. in the last season um, and went to camp and got hurt again. It shows so. you how fickle the NFL is. It is. It is. So, but you know, I'm, I'm not. I'm not afraid to say it all because I, you know, I'm not. I'm not a Rams fan. I don't like the Patriots. Um, it's gonna so who be, are you pulling for? Oh, the Rams because it. It one because of Ramique, uh and two because. I, you know, I, I respect the excellence of the Patriots, but I can still want them to not win. See, I feel completely different about that. I am, I find myself in awe or yeah, in amazement yeah. of the Patriots, the yeah. fact that they've been there three years in a row and they, they're five and five in Super Bowls. Uh, they're probably six and five as you were here this recording because I think they are going to win. Um, but, you know, I'm 42. My wife just turned 41 and Tom Brady's 41. And it's just kind of one of those things that you're just flat out amazed that he's able to do what he did. I mean, just the AFC Championship game alone on that final drive in overtime, he completed three third and tens. And equally as impressive as Julian Edelman. He's no spring chicken as well. And he's over there just getting hammered over the middle, catching all these passes. And I was making it, I was making a, you know, I watch it with my two sons, Jack and Walker. You hear them sometimes on this podcast. And um, they play sports. And Edelman had that near miss earlier in the AFC championship game where he was fielding a punt and it didn't touch him, even though it looked like it might have. And then he fumbled like the next play and it looked like it was going to really turn the tide for um, the chiefs. And I was explaining to them, I was like, just picture his emotions right here. He, he could have been the goat, the goat in the bad way, meaning yeah. like giving up the game. And then he comes back, you know, shakes it off and then converts all of these amazing third downs. So anytime I can watch a sporting event with my kids and try to drum up some kind of, you know, life lesson or something, because that's what my dad did with me, uh, just to impress not, not only for them to become football fans or fan of sport or co- being competitive, but also not to dwell on the bad things because Tony and I know we're having a rough basketball season this year <laughs> and I'm happy to constantly come up with new ideas to say, Hey, it's okay if you lost 38 to 15, uh, because here's what you did. Right. Yeah. And it's interesting. I, uh, you know, we had, I, I had dinner with, with Greg Trevor's our, our basketball coach. I had dinner with him last night and we were discussing this team and it was like, I've never seen a group of seventh graders get their, brains beat in mm-hmm. every week and still have such a good attitude. Exactly. Because I know exactly how I would have been in seventh grade if this were happening right. to me. And they show up to work at practice there at the end of games are like high fiving each other, like, hey, that was great. We did, you know, we learned and they're just getting better. And like you I don't think you stuck around apparently for the end of practice yesterday, but apparently all the players are like, hey coach Trevor, um you know, if we can play together as a team next year as eighth graders, would you coach us? I mean, they want to play, and it's, right. it's fun. It's it is fun in a way that you know we, you and I, have coached each other against each other in in flag football before. Um, I've coached a fair amount of youth sports. I'm not a I'm not a three year letterman. Uh, I'm not a three year letterman coaching youth coaching legend, but. Um, it's hard sometimes when you don't have a good team and you go out there and just get your eyes beat in and constantly keeping the kids motivated. But the the thing that and to loop this back to the Patriots, the thing that I think you know, taking away this basketball season for our kids, it's like 
they're keeping their heads up and they're learning and they're getting better. And I know if you're, if you don't have kids or if you're, you know, when only when first, you don't understand how important that is at 12, it's huge. Yeah. At um, that age. That's yeah. right. So, but you know, getting back to the, talking about the Patriots, I, I can, I respect the consistency, consistent excellence. Um, if we're my team, I would be just as unbearable as Patriots fans. Oh, sure. A hundred percent as unbearable. Um, I still want the Rams to win. Yeah, I think Boston alone, just with the from the Bruins to the Red Sox to the Patriots to the Celtics. Yeah, I mean they they don't even know how good they have it. No, no, I agree. They really don't. Yeah. I mean, although I'm good friends with a couple of uh, Bostonians who live here, Patriots fans, yeah. Steve, uh, yeah. who you met the other night, uh, and I, I think he's probably the best. Boston fan I've ever met, you know, the epitome of uh, grace and acceptance and, and, and kind of wishing that we could all kind of tap into that success. Yeah. He and, he and John McGinney are, are kind of the ones I, I point to is like, Hey, this is uh this is kind of who you want to be. Right. If you're going to be a Boston sports fan. Right. Right. So since it is Super Bowl, we keep bringing that up. Um, a couple other questions. One thing I saw interesting on Twitter, if, if any of y'all want to look this up, Usain Bolt is yeah. at all the pregame parties and everything. And he went to fan fest yesterday and without any warm-ups or anything, he ran a 4-2-40. <laughs> Probably in dress shoes. And then allegedly, Dion went out there next and allegedly ran a 4-2-7. I don't know. Um, but it wouldn't surprise me if that were the case. Uh, those guys just go out there and blaze the trail. So, Tony, what would your 40 be out there at FanFest of the Super Bowl? Oh, well, I could easily do a four-minute and in, in, in two-second 40. You think you could be sub-six? No, no. I'm, I'm barely getting going at six. Now my second forty, I probably could do in, in five seconds. That's right. You get a forty yard head start, but then you might you might Yo, peak out. I'd fade. Yeah, yeah. Give that's me, eighty yards. Give me ten. Give me ten yards, and I could probably pull off. If you give me a running forty, like a fifty. Yeah, if you give me a fifty, I could I could probably clock a sub. I think I easily clock a sub six, but yeah. well, I couldn't right now. My knee's bad, but. Um, and then would know. the parachute come out at the end to slow you down, or would it be like a I'd, no? It'd be a it'd be engineered material uh, rester system, like run up through the sand on a downhill on a curvy interstate. I know you're hosting a Super Bowl party. I'm going to two different Super Bowl parties, and I've yeah, heard I wish I could go to Nugent's. It's yeah. not, it sounds. I ran into somebody else yesterday, and he at, was saying at softball you... practice, and uh, there's a Patriots reason I was brought up was a Patriots fan. He's like, yeah, I'm going. This this guy has a, he's a big Patriots fan, and he has a huge party. I was like, Nugent. He was like, yeah, you know Nugent. I was like, Everybody knows Nugent. Yeah, I think I think there's going to be about 300 something people there. But uh, so, but you're having a, a small get together. What? Is and I've heard about all these spreads at both parties, and I'm actually fasting this morning. Uh-huh. Um, I, I ate a very light breakfast. I'm going to have a minimal lunch because I need to save myself. Because it is well known that I do eat like a six year old, and this is perfect food for someone who eats like a six year old because it's just a bunch of like fried nothings, it's crap, and yeah, and, and <laughs> chips and dips and and you know Coke and beer and I mean Coke like Coca Cola. Uh, hey, <laughs> we're not judging. We're not judging. We're celebrating Gronk. <laughs> Coke. <laughs> so, what would be your ideal Super Bowl food? Well, you know, if it weren't for perfectly polished, I would be uh, I'd be smoking wings all day and probably some ribs. Um, I mean, the ideal Super Bowl food for me is exactly the, the crappy stuff, and unless the Falcons are playing in it or there's some like a super compelling storyline. Um, I don't pay as much attention to the game as I sure. do the social aspects of it. Um, and it's just I'm, I'm not the biggest pro football fan. It's not like like the like the college football championship, I'm watching that for the football, right? Um, but I guess you know, I, but we had a big party when the Falcons were in it too. But I watched the game a lot more um, than the 
so you know, I'm I'm a huge. I love wings. I love making wings. Uh, actually, Coach Greg's making wings this time because I'm I'll be busy. Um, but you know, we do. I think I'm, I made some spinach dip yesterday and some ranch dressing this morning just to have to for for folks to dip their vegetables and stuff in. So when you do spinach dip, I'm sure, and you're going all cream cheese, like oh uh, yeah. So it's uh it's cream cheese. I'm sorry, sour like sour cream. Big mayonnaise. old pats of butter and yeah, I don't do I don't do butter and spinach dip, but I do um I do onion, spinach, water chestnut. Um, See, I think that's the secret sauce right there, the water chestnut. It's just a little crunch, crunch, little crunch. Yeah, yeah it's kind and, of a flavorless food, but it just gives yeah, some texture to and it. Chop, chopped onions um, with sour cream mayo, and and it's just it's a simple thing. It's a nor nor mix. I do I do a couple of things of which I won't divulge, but I do a couple of things to pop the taste. Mm-hmm. Um, just little things to get a little umami in it, but uh, that's really good. A lot of people like to eat it with bread. I prefer it with tortilla chips. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, yeah, the bread bowl thing where you put the that yeah, kind of. I'm, I'm not a big fan on eating something out of something that be should that be, be consumed. Yeah, I don't eat chicken yeah. pot pies. I don't eat. No, I love um, chicken pot pies, you know, but not like a soup tor- in a bowl, tortilla like, soup, a tortilla bowl, like a bread bowl soup, or like when you go to a Mexican restaurant, yeah, and you get like a taco a torti- salad. Yeah, no, and, no, no, I don't, I don't do that's that. Not my thing either. I agree no. with you. Okay, good. We we agree on something yeah, food yeah. related. Yeah, I mean a salad, which I I do sometimes. I do like a salad occasionally. I just I don't know it. Kind of defeats the purpose if I also have to eat the bowl. Okay, real quick before we jump into the Twitter questions that we got, and, and I mean real quick because it's probably all it deserves. Georgia basketball. Um, yeah, guys, it's uh, we're last looking week like it 14th. looked amazing. Well, Ninety-eight again, points like, against Texas, and like the Texas game, the South Carolina game are microcosms of the season, right? Right. We saw the ceiling. We can beat a team that's better than us. Uh, we also saw the floor. We um, we lost to a team that we should be able to play even with, and we made a couple of runs, but we just. We're still they young. didn't lead the entire game. They, they didn't, didn't lead the entire league. game because we got within two points a couple of times in the second half, and um, we just really got out outplayed, outclassed, outcoached. Um, and you know, it's hard. I'm not going to deny it's not hard, but I'm still like it's still fun to watch in a way that wasn't before. Um, and it's before you panic and fire. You want to start, you know, fire TomCreen.com. Give the guy a couple of years. I, I've seen some message sports chatter like, "Wow, we're this," and Fox could coach defense at least. And like, yeah, that's uh, right. And if you only look at box scores, you're going to be mad about this. But if you pay attention, the team actually plays better as a team now, and um, there's a direction they're going. Yeah. Uh, women's this basketball, fourteenth in the conference. Yeah. Women's basketball, they had a big win at Arkansas. Yeah, they um, still looking like a tournament team. Um, could play their way up to probably a four and if, or five and in women's seed. Basketball, if you get to a four seed, you get to host. Is that yeah? That sounds right. right. Yeah, I think, I think that's yeah. right. Like Sweet Sixteen, yeah. basically. Um, and then baseball starts off at the end of this month. Yeah, still yeah, ranked ranked in both polls. Well, they um, should be because they yeah. haven't played a game. Well, I'm saying they're ranked in both polls yeah. and um, could be an exciting season. Schedule breaks really nicely for them this year. Um, and what's the best place to watch a Georgia baseball game? Have you ever gone to the Hill? Yeah, I um, I had the guys that live in the house up the hill from up in the right field above the right field lounge. Um, they used to have a Twitter account. They invited me to come to games, and I just I never went. I hate myself for not going. Um, that would be if I ever have a chance to buy one of those houses and I can afford it, I probably will. Uh, just so I can live there when I retire and I can hang on my back porch literally and watch the baseball games. Right. Uh, and then it'd be a perfect tailgate spot for football. And I have a feeling somebody sitting next to you that hadn't spoken yet might 
come encroach on your, your living spaces if you lived on the baseball field. He would be welcome. Anyone yeah. would be. Well, not anyone, y'all. I love y'all, but you know, my wife does have limits. I keep I keep glancing over at this shot of Will with his face uh, taped to the Stormtrooper. He's so starting, smiley. Yeah, it's starting to kind of freak me out a little bit. He's just staring a hole through my soul or something. That's probably something he would say. So, briefly before we go to the Twitter questions, um, by, by now, dear listener, you know Missouri got slammed with some sanctions. Mm-hmm. Uh, post, I didn't have that on there, yeah. Postseason bans and football... Baseball and softball because of a tutor was doing work for athletes. Um, this is, and I kind of went on a little screed earlier. This is also a screed. Uh, a tutor got 10-year show calls, which is exactly the show calls Dave Bliss got at Baylor for hiding a murder. NCAA, get your act together, please. Um, you are literally punishing kids that are at Missouri now who may or may not have anything to do with this. And then you also gave a 10-year ban to this tutor when Hugh Freeze got a two-game ban. It's just it's ridiculous. Also, Missouri uh, was case number 443, why you don't cooperate with NCAA. Because uh, they straight up said, they self-reported, they straight up said this, and NCAA really, really hammered them for North Carolina's um, misdeeds. It kind of makes you angry about the whole Todd Gurley thing AJ and the Green. AJ Green, yep. you know, the yep. Jersey stuff yep. and how... I mean, that, that wrecked a couple seasons back they in the day. They are not, like the NCAA, I, I understand why they did. I understand that's their rules. Um, they are not making a good case for playing nice with the NCAA. Yeah. All right. Since you did mention Twitter mentions, we got a couple. Tony sent out a tweet a couple days ago. And um, yeah, so to, to reference, it was at KFWILK that asked about the recruiting, and we covered that. Um, and then it was also, I think, yeah. At Southern Shepherd that mentioned the Missouri cooperation, so we handled that. So we got a couple more that I'm going to jump into. Some of them are uh, they're just kind of all around the place. So here's one from at Jim Wood PMP, and I think he answered that the PMP means like project manager professional or something okay. like that. I don't know. Uh, I th- hope I got that right, Jim. Uh, I did read your tweet, but that was months ago, so I've kind of faded on that. I know the P stands for project and the M stands for management. Okay. I'm not sure. It's other professional. Food. Professional works. He says, which former dog in this Super Bowl would you be the happiest for should their team win and why? I mean, I think it's going to be Rameek Wilson for me because I know the guy sure. personally. We kind of covered that as yeah. well. I, I've, I've, I've got a soft spot for Gurley. I've, I've got a soft spot for Gurley and one for Sony, but Sony's more recent. And what he did for us <laughs> in that Rose Bowl, I still just – in fact, I'm, I sent out a tweet when I was watching the AFC Championship game when he scored – it's not. It was the third to last touchdown because that fourth quarter they had thirty eight points, I think, uh, combined or something. But he scored to put them ahead in the fourth quarter for the first time. I tweeted out that I yelled, "Run, Sony!" Exactly the way I did uh, in the Rose Bowl, and it, and I wasn't planning it and everything. We were just so into that game, and it was such an exciting game. Uh, I'm pulling for Sony. I think I'd be most happiest for him just because how. Just how he carries himself and all those blowhard New England riders that were bashing him is like a terrible draft pick and everything. He just keeps his head down and comes in with a first round draft pick like like a first round draft pick doesn't typically come in. You know, very unassuming, very team oriented. Um, and he's a damn good dog. So I'm going to I'm I can't believe it. I am very pro patriot for the game. But dear, less, dear listener, you already know what happened. So uh this is kind of a moot point. <laughs> no spoilers. Yeah, no spoilers, please. All right, here comes another one. Um, at Wow Cool Tweets, I think we've had a couple. Of, I think his name's Harrison. Uh, he wants to know under under the radar players from last year that will make an impact <laughs> this coming year. And he gave the example of Eric Stokes. 
Uh, I wrote down a couple. Um, I think they're new recruits. Uh, there's a new recruit named God Turley that I think is going to make an impact at running back. There's a linebacker named Wait a minute, God Turley for God, real. God Turley and then Davis Thomas at linebacker. Are you sure that's not a yeah, Latin spelling? Yeah, no, Todd I'm positive. Turley? I'm positive. And then uh, there's anybody with the last name Bailey that yeah, comes that's, in that's and plays defense. Yeah. They're they're going to be in, and then also anybody with the last name Walker. Uh, I'm looking for them to have breakout seasons, all four or eight of them. Uh, <laughs> So I, uh, I kind of took the question of guys still, that were on the team last year. I, I think James Coe is going to have to step up. Uh, and I think he will. I think, I think the way he'll be incorporated in, it'll be really interesting to see if they incorporate him into the game. If Cooley, Cooley, Coley. Coley, sorry, I'm, I'm already thinking about the drive-by truckers concert I'm going to in a couple of weeks. Um, incorporate him the way that, uh, um, you know, we used some of the, the scat back types a couple of years ago. Um, Demetrius Robinson too, wide oh, receiver. Yeah. Uh, I think he's going to step up. I'm really excited to see Jordan Davis get a full season at nose guard. Um, and, and the same goes for uh, Adam Anderson. Um, and kind of my under the radar um, player, I think is going to step up. I think David. Divide Did Wilson. we see him in the bowl game? Uh, I think so. Yeah, because he was injured all year. Yeah, I think he's probably going to. If he doesn't overtake that star position. We will see way we will see him getting on the field in different situations other than dime packages just because his size, speed, and talent. Okay, this one comes from at Jim Dog oh eight. Most memorable or first memory, and he used this. He's the big game. I guess he's afraid of some copyright strike of uh, the Super Bowl growing up. Ooh, so mine's gonna be much earlier than yours. Um. I remember the Dallas Denver Super Bowl in seventy five, seventy six. Was the first Super Bowl I remember. Um, we we I was a, born that year. Yeah, that's the year we lived in Waycross, and the only reason I remember is the first Super Bowl party I went to. Our next door neighbors, the, the Matthewses. Matter of fact, Mitch Matthews, who's who was a few years older than me, and just like had nothing to do with me because I was a snot nosed four year old. Uh, our kids are in the same. Actually, his daughter are twins in our our son's classes. Mm. Um, we went to their house, we just walked across, you know, like across the yard to their house for that Super Bowl party, and that was the first game I remember getting to stay up late to watch um, football game. I think mine was uh, Super Bowl twenty. It was the Bears New England? Yeah, I think yeah. I was like nine or something, and that's uh, eighty six. Yeah, it was the fridge. Mm-hmm. You know, the Super Bowl shuffle. Yep. Um, Kevin Butler scored fourteen points in that Super Bowl. He had like three field goals and a bunch of extra points. Yeah. Um, and then of course Walter Walter Payton did not score because they gave it to the fridge, and that was always kind of uh, one of those. Uh, you know, I don't. What know. are you doing, Dicka? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and then my most memorable Super Bowl was Super Bowl 33. That was Denver Falcons. Um, yeah. You know, it was Eugene Robinson the night before. How could it? It was memorable for all the wrong reasons. Um, but, you know, we were watching at the fraternity house. Uh, it was a big party. And, uh, you know, just they, they never got going. Um, that was the TNT, the Tony uh, Martin and Terrence Mathis and Chris Chandler. I mean, it, it was a fantastic team. I think they went 14-2 and two that year. Or something, and um, you know they got blown out. And I think when Tim Dwight had that ninety-four yard kickoff return to start the fourth quarter, it was like too little, too late because then they tacked another one on. It was a complete blowout. It was it was more of a blowout than the score indicated. Um, and you know the other one, the other Falcon Super Bowl was memorable because of just how crestfallen I was. That's the, I think that's the word I tweeted out 
after that because it was just, I mean, my, my kids were crying. I felt like crying because it was just like your soul was ripped out uh, because everything was right there. And it was like a slow, painful death. Well, let's uh, lighten the mood a little bit. <clears throat> um, wow. I got a little, I got a little dark, uh, but that's, <laughs> that's what the Falcons will, uh, Falcons will do to you. So uh, Vox Hockley tweeted, this isn't really a question. He just tweeted something out. He said uh, it was something from Reddit and it's a, Infographic. He said that Will would like this. If Waffle House connected their Athens locales with a rail system, it looks like a MARTA map and everything of all the Waffle Houses, like from Statham to Southeast Athens or anything. It's it's really well done uh, on that. You should take a look at it. And I think I, I liked how he said, like, show this to Will. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm I'm on board for that. So, by the way, so. go 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 check out uh, the Reddit Waffle House uh, rail system location. Um, and then your dad's calling. We're, yeah, we're podcasting. He, he calls every <laughs> podcast. Um, I hope he's not on the way up here because I didn't answer the phone. Anyway, um, at Rhino Redhawk, he said, I uh, learned one of my favorite Athens restaurants has been gone for a while. He Gumbies. says, I've been living in Cincinnati for six years. What now closed restaurant do you miss the most? And he says, mine was Gumby's. Steve Arenas. Oh, yeah. Steve's all the way hot. Steve's and Sons. They were yeah, kind of that. They were right there beside each other. Yeah. If you don't, if, if you don't remember, um, it still breaks my heart that Sons of Italy, and I wasn't a Sons fan, but because I was, I was Team Steve Arena, uh, where the Sons of Italy was is now a subway, which is heresy of the highest order in my mind. Um, Kelly's is now where Steve Arena's was. Mm-hmm. Um, and, Boy, I miss her sandwiches a lot. I mean, there are a couple other places I that I, I, I had a lot of fun in. I miss uh, Herbie's, of course. Um, uh, and this also transitions to kind of, to kind of another question. There was a, a go-to first date place for me on Baxter that was, I don't know what it was called, but it was like an ice cream dessert place, ice cream place. It didn't open up until late. Like it was like 8 o'clock it opened up in the evening. You know, there I was going to mention a couple of places on Baxter that are gone because I'd, I'd written them down. Um was it Oscars? Oh yeah, yeah. Because that's that was gone. Like that that literally was there in '93, and then when I showed up in '94, it was gone. Yeah, and I had gone there on a couple of, like official visits. You know, uh-huh. I was I was doing official visits even though I was not being recruited to play football or any sports. Uh, I was doing official visits just on, on my own time. I'm yeah. saying that yeah. kind of tongue in cheek officially. Um, but also Springhouse Barbecue. Yeah, that was a good yeah, uh, place. I wrote down Pepino's downtown, even though it's moved to the east side, the downtown location. Yeah, which is where Porterhouse is. Porterhouse. Right? Yeah. And then uh, Munchies. Oh, I forgot about Munchies. That Munchies, was a lot. That's old school. Because ever since Munchies left, nothing's ever worked there. Yeah. And it was kind of the place to go. Yeah. And I guess if you want to talk about downtown restaurants, I, I still miss Harry Bissett's. Um, yeah. The, just, just the atmosphere there. Uh, it hasn't, there's not a place downtown that has quite Tailgate's recaptured. Tailgate's nice, but it yeah, doesn't it just hasn't recaptured the atmosphere. Yeah. Uh, I wrote down Spanky's. Wow. Yeah, Spanky's and Beachwood. Yeah. They yeah. have Trivia Night. Yeah. Uh, Bennigan's. I don't miss Bennigan's at which, all. Well, the reason why I say that is because that was, um, it's where Jason's Deli is now. Mm-hmm. And that was when Office Space came out. Oh yeah, because it was and like, it was yeah, there. The whole and we thing. we yeah. went there just to see the flare on people, <laughs> and if that makes sense to you if you've seen the movie Office Space. Yeah, um, I have, you have one place I Monte didn't. Cristo was good there too. Yeah, T Bones. There was a place called yes. T Bones where it was on uh, Baxter, kind of where George Gibson's. Where George Gibson's is. is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right there in that same spot. Um, I missed that. I got three more. Ronnie B's. Yeah. On, yeah. Uh, it was also on Baxter, yep. but it's, uh, it was yeah. next to Jimbo's gas station. Kind yeah. of, they used to cater our food for our fraternity. R.I.P. Bomb Russian. Uh, yep. Yeah. And then, uh, of course, Guthrie's. 
I mean, oh. even though we got Raising Cane's and Zaxby's and Chick-fil-A, you just can't. Guthrie's was special. Um, it was, uh, I mean, I think most people would say, like, even though you got all this other chicken option, fried chicken options, not and the that, same. that sauce, that sauce is close but not duplicated yeah. by the others. And then uh, and finally, RIP, uh, Waffle House, five points. Because <sighs> oh, it was such a great place. It's going to gonna be a chain restaurant. Huh? It's going to be a chain restaurant. It? I don't know, but Will's right. It's got a chain restaurant vibe coming. Huh? Huh? Well, that's fine because then El Barrio is going to be next door to it, and it's going to be a really good uh, yeah. Mexican restaurant that's uh, going to be run by the owners of The Pine. Nice. Shout out to Sachin. Um, okay, so last question here. This is also from Wow Cool Tweets. He This was under his first one. He said, also, please rank the top three dessert places or desserts in Athens. And this was kind of a head scratcher for me. So I'm glad that I was able to think about this because I probably wouldn't be able to come up with this just on the spot. Um, I wrote down last resorts cakes. They're made C- by Cecilia, Cecilia because my daughter always my makes number one. Okay. My number one. <laughs> my daughter always makes me go and get her a slice of like $8 cake. Yeah. Um, leche. And it's uh, it's good. I wrote down Ike and Jane's donuts. I, I, I like Ike and Jane's, but uh, I'm also a zombie donut fan. Okay. I haven't, yeah. I haven't really. Yeah, been there. It's a, it's a hard place to get to the it zombie is, donuts because you got to want to go on that side of Broad Downtown, Street. Yep. And then finally, I wrote down clocked milkshakes. Oh, good call! Yeah. I forgot about clocked milkshakes. They specialize in hamburgers and tater tots, but also their milkshakes are kind of a special. Strong work. Yeah. Um, the it's not necessarily Athens. I also threw in Kiki's Bake Shop, which is over in Watkinsville, and I'm 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 partial to their food, but uh, my kids love the desserts at uh, Takieri there in at Butler's Crossing. Yeah. Does that do it? I think that does it. I mean, look, dear listener, you know who won the Super Bowl. Don't ruin it for us by tweeting at us. Um, so, uh, you know, we will. I really appreciate your reservedness today. Thank yeah. you very much for your help. In and you didn't curse because curse, I wasn't going to. Yes. I'm not going to edit this. No. It's just going to run straight through because no. we're about to do the outro after we say go dogs. But, uh, yeah, thanks. Thanks for joining us in spirit. We have will. emotional support. Will here. I yeah. think that's why. We, yeah. Why I might actually that. leave that here as I sit here work, but I won't because it's kind of creepy. <laughs> it's freaking you out, man. It is freaking me out because I'm staring right at it. You you get his side view, um, but it is a great picture. We're going to we're going to tweet that out. So definitely check our uh, Twitter timeline. Um, but, yeah, I think that'll do it. I had a couple other things, but we've already hit 45 minutes and it's plenty of time plenty of time and um, so we'll be back in a couple of weeks yeah, we, we have we're it, scheduled the 12th right the 12th is written um, down so that'll be a, a full fledged like legit podcast and um yeah so uh i think the only other thing we have to say right now is um i'll let you say it tony since you always say it go dogs and i'll say it too go dogs as well and uh thanks for listening we appreciate all of your tweets and questions that you've sent us and uh if you do want to follow our show you can always Tweet us at WSLS Podcast. You can also find us on other social media platforms on Instagram or Facebook with the same handle. We keep it easy for y'all. It's at WSLS Podcast. The website has not been updated very recently, but um, hopefully this summer we we'll, might get a couple of blog posts, but that's the same. It's WSLSpodcast.com. And um, we'll be seeing y'all on campus in a couple months for the G Day game. It's April 20th at 2 o'clock p.m., so it's not that far away so other than that we will uh be back with you in the middle part of february and thanks for listening as always go dogs i'm gonna go upstairs and cry now <laughs>